the clock. He'll roll it left. Love it. Maybe a half minute left. Less more time is added. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Orlando Soccer Show. The season is over. It's done. And yet again, Orlando City are crashing out in the playoffs. Uh, This time, around earlier than they did last year. And technically, technically speaking, they have still never won a playoff game. How about that, Gavin Eubank? You know, it's just an honor to be nominated, to be in the playoffs here at this point. And, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does suck um, to come to the realization the other day that Nashville SC in two seasons already has more wins than Orlando. I'm glad they're moving to the Western Conference this year, next year because I'm going to be honest with you, I can't stand those dinks, and I'm I'm glad to see them go. <laughs> uh, Brad Newton is not with us, but I'm sure he would probably be saying this. I'm living in a nightmare. Yeah, that yeah. that that is his yeah. nightmare scenario. Mm-hmm. A team that he loathes with every fiber of his being for how boring they play and how many draws they get. Decided to advance into the Eastern Conference semifinals by beating Orlando. Now they did end up losing in penalties Woo! to Philadelphia, missing all three of their penalties. Andre Blake saving two of three, and then Walker Zimmerman, who was their best defender all year, skies it. To lose the game for Nashville. Uh, maybe a little bit of karma. I don't know. Alan Chapman was not on their side this time. He was somehow the referee for that game. Uh, after what happened many weeks ago. Even Luis Muzi. I mean, he's under contract, uh, so they're going to find a way to get him <laughs> on the field. So. I, I don't think that he is under contract anymore. I think Nashville <laughs> released him from their contract that he they had with him. That was yeah, the joke definitely. going around all of social media the other day. Uh, I, I I found it interesting that uh, Muzi, Luis Muzi, the executive vice president of soccer operations for Orlando, he in fact tweeted out, uh, let's see if he learned how to count. Yeah, clever. Clever little subtweet there. I wonder I wonder who he was talking about. Hmm. Hmm, I wonder. It just happened to be during the penalties of Nashville and Philly that he said that. Yeah, so. I had to um I saw you sent that you put that tweet in our Discord and I had to like I had to do a little bit of self investigating to find the context because I'm gonna be honest with you, like I just completely zoned out on these playoffs, so I had to like figure out what he was talking about. I assumed it had something to do with Nashville. Actually, you posted it after like a Justin Miram thing, so I was like, is he talking about Justin Miram? Because he was a little he was pretty relevant in RSL's triumphant victory um this weekend as well. And I was like, no, nope. how like, insane yeah, that makes sense. was that the the fact that RSL is in the Western Conference Finals after two crazy wins, like somehow, you know, if there's... somehow they win in penalties, and then they win in the 90th minute against two of the top teams in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, the great thing about Major League Soccer, and I say this as I just said, I have kind of tuned this league out, but <laughs> you can't convince me that this isn't the greatest league in the world because it's just so batshit bonkers. None of this makes sense. Why is RSL? They have no owner. Their coach left in the middle of the season to become an assistant for one of those teams that they just beat. I mean, they, they're they working on a very small budget. Like, they've got nothing that makes you think this team should be where they are. And here they are, because that's Major League Soccer for you, baby. Yay, capitalism! <laughs> it makes no sense, but, you know, it's just going to keep trucking along, and we love it. We love this league. It's stupid and dumb and, you know, just reckless as Major League Soccer is on a week-to-week basis. It manages to bring the chaos, and you and I know that we are Team Chaos here at the Orlando Soccer Show. This is the way. This is the way. Oh, this is the way. Yep. We are 100% Team Chaos all the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as much when Justin Miram is is the guy mm-hmm. who yeah. is the one doing the, the deed for RSL. He had the game-winning assist <sighs> yeah, we in only, that moment. Yeah, we only like number nines of respect here. That's for sure. <laughs> to quote a former... Orlando City employee, Alex Leitao. Yes. Well, shall we, uh, we're beating around the bush here. Shall we just get into the talking of the game that was? Yeah, let's uh, let's just rip the Band-Aid off, shall we? Hey, Orlando lost. Band-Aid ripped off. Yeah. Yeah. Season's over. There it is. And Nani isn't coming back. He nope. is He is done. Nani! Which, if you had watched that playoff game, you would have assumed Nani was gone anyway. Damn. You know, I asked Oscar... After the game, because noticeably a lot of people on social media were upset. Why is Nani, your star player, your captain, the guy who scored 10 goals in the season, why is he on the bench for 75 minutes of the game? And Oscar said that's where we saw him to be most effective. You know, he had been carrying a knock coming into the game, but Oscar said he was fine during the week leading up to it. They just felt that it would have been better to bring him off the bench. I think they knew. Like, honestly, I think it was the right call because the way that game was going to play out, it would have required a lot of energy on the defensive end to track back and stop counters. And Nani doesn't have that energy to do that for 90 minutes. You'd rather have Nani for the last 20 minutes or so to try and win you the game rather than run around for 65 and sub him off because the way that Nashville plays and we've talked about it it's boring nobody likes to play against that kind of team so as much as Oscar was being criticized for his decisions I thought that the Nani sub I will say it maybe it was a little late I think a lot of the subs were late they all came after the 75th minute Probably could have brought on a little bit more earlier on. But I think that the substitution of Nani rather than him starting was the right call. And that's my take on that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that tactically speaking, there is some valid points behind it. But, I mean, this is the playoffs. It's one and done. You show up and you lose, you're out, you know. He is your highest paid player. He may not be 100% healthy, but he is, you know, objectively 
the best player, you know, that you have on your team. He means more to Orlando City than just about any player on this team does. To not have him on the field when he's healthy, if he's healthy, I mean, we're, we can only assume based off what Oscar says, and we know that he's he wasn't 100% fit, most likely, but clearly Oscar has said, yeah, he could have played, essentially, but yeah. he chose not to. You know, there's I don't really see a valid excuse to that. You you need your best players on the field in the biggest games. And I mean, and like you said, too, to bring him on that late, that in itself is also like detrimental to the performance of the team. Because, you know, if you're not throwing everything out there, are you really putting your best foot forward in that situation? Yeah, but like I've seen Nani, like he's been substitutions in these kind of away matches. And he's been effective in those away matches. I don't know. If you're not 100% fit against a team that likes to run, if you tire yourself out and you throw Nani in there, you've got a good chance. I think that it just came a little late. But when you look at the production that Nani had over the last half of the season, do you know how many goals he scored since August? I'm going to guess less than three. One. Yeah. He had one goal, and it was against New England. No, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, it's well documented that he's not been a second-half player for Orlando. Right, and, but, you know, but maybe that's the there thing. Was if, some... if, he, if he's a, not a second-half player, and he's not going to score goals for you, and he's shown that he can't score goals for you in the second half of the season, then why not go with a player like Benji Michel, who just has tons of energy and can run? Like, he got in some great spaces during that game. You could argue maybe, oh, you know, Sylvester for Chris Mueller or something like that, and that's probably going to be the case next year. But the, the whole situation with Nani, I, I feel like it's just being a bit more overblown than what it was. And considering he's not coming back next year, your whole argument, which I wanted to get into, by the way, of him being the most important player on the field for Orlando. What what is Orlando without Nani now? Yeah. I mean, if Mauricio Pereira doesn't come back, I mean, that's that's two of your captains right there. I mean, Nani obviously being the prevalent one. It's this is going to be and you know, we'll we'll obviously get more into this but this is gonna be a very big off season for Orlando City I mean the cultural change when Oscar Pereira came to Orlando was obviously kind of step one centering that culture from a uh, a leadership point of view you know from the sidelines um bringing guys like Nani who who was here before Oscar Pereira but even a, a guy like that when you're centering the characters that they have put on the field there are a lot of very uh, vocal very commanding leaders on this team but Nani himself stood above all of those guys and his resilience and his fire I mean it really shocked me surprised me to the level of commitment that he showed over the last three seasons. And, you know, I mean, listen, we when the, when the signing was made, I don't really think that there was high expectations, at least not for me. It was like, yeah, I mean, he could be good if he hits, but what are you going to get? What is he going to bring? And he mm-hmm. brought it. He brought it all. 
And yeah. it was, you could see it out there. I mean, I don't think anyone was questioning for a second, even when he wasn't scoring or playing well, that he wasn't putting 110% effort out there because he really believed in this club. He believed in the team that he had around him that it could achieve good things. And, you know, sure enough, last year was was a, a big year for Orlando. You know, the, the MLS's back run, final run, you know, they made it to the playoffs for the first time. And all of these big things happened. And now you have your leader who was there for all of these big moments for this group, this group that has been the same the same team for the last two years. Now he's gone. Um, and we already knew that there was going to be a big change coming this offseason. When you have Chris Mueller leaving, you have, what, seven or eight players whose contracts are up this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mauricio Pereira is out of contract, and mm-hmm. there's a – I've got a good sense – that he might not be coming back based on the direction we kind of see things going. Um, Daryl DK seems, you know, uh, the expectation, obviously, since, what, April has been that he was going to get sold. But, yep. you know, I just want to uh, we could see it being now. Before, we, now. before I mean, we get the, too far into it, Gavin, I want to I want to put things in perspective for you. Mm-hmm. The top like the record books here. Kyle Lahren is still the top goal scorer in MLS for Orlando City at 44. Nani, 31 goals through all competitions. That's U.S. Open Cup, MLS is back, and League's Cup. All right, he was second. Chris Mueller was fifth with 22 goals, 24 assists. Daryl DK, in just 41 games, is sixth all-time in Orlando City goals. Yeah, I mean, that's not just the core of this team, but the core of this you know this team ever club essentially yeah <laughs> and the crazy I mean, thing is not nani chris mueller and mauricio pereira top three all-time in assists for the club mm-hmm. nani with 26 chris with 24 pereira 23 i will say what an anti-climatic way for these guys to go out to i mean just from from nani alone wasn't there on decision day, you know, he was hurt or had some sort of knock. He was on the bench, and I'm sure he could have played if if they needed him to, but didn't play in the last game. And then to come on in the final 15 minutes, I mean, maybe Oscar obviously didn't say it, but he came in, what, right after um, Hani Mukhtar scored in the 74th, and he came on a minute later. Yeah. So that game was still tied at that point. Maybe there was the expectation he was waiting so late because – this game, I mean, well, I this mean, team, Nani these was two teams tie not, all the time. Right. Nani this was, game could have easily gone into extra time. That's forty-five minutes that he would have been available. Sure, Nani was getting ready the to cards come in. Just didn't fall the way that Oscar might have wanted. Yeah, but Nani was getting ready to come into the game right before Mukhtar scored. So, like, it wasn't right. a reactionary sub. It was just no, 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 <laughs> it just no, happened no. like that. That's what I'm saying. Is at that point you're looking and the game's tied. You got fifteen minutes left, and you say, "All right, we're going to put Nani on there. We're going to see what kind of looks he's able to get." In worst case, we're gonna go into stoppage, or we're gonna go into extra time, and we've got him, you know, forty-five minutes. Right, and that's the thing. Scenario. We joked about it on the show. We said yeah. this team draws so much. Be ready for penalties because it's probably gonna mm-hmm. get to that point. And I think Oscar and the coaching staff probably thought that way too, which is why if you put in Nani and it goes to extra time and penalties, he's playing one hundred and twenty minutes. He can't do that, and you'd rather mm-hmm. have him for extra time and penalties, if it came to that, 
than just for the starting of the game. Now, hindsight yeah, no, is I always mean, like twenty it, twenty, of course. But yeah, still. exactly. Like I said, it, you know, Oscar didn't say that that was his plan. He's he obviously well, he's not said he's that, not going to really only. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing is, you know, it, it's feasible to see that that might have been the scenario. And unfortunately, like you said, hindsight being twenty twenty, the cards just didn't fall the way that Oscar kind of hoped that they would for this situation to work out. And, you know, that happens. That soccer doesn't go the way that you want it to. And, you know, you set a lineup, you set a game plan, and you have to have multiple different game plans because it's not always going to be plan A. It's going to work directly minute one to minute 90. Um, I, I mean, going back to that, it, he doesn't, you know, it's it's a sucky way for him to have to leave on this because now it's going to be like, Obviously, I don't think this is going to overshadow his tenure. It's just it's just a poor way to have to go out and be like, yeah, you know, the last game, the last playoff game, and you were mm-hmm. only out on the field for 15 minutes. Granted, only so much he can control in that situation. Right. Um, but as far as the other guys, too, I mean, I feel bad for Chris. He's He came in this year as such a beloved figure by Orlando City fans. I mean, he really took off last year. He was so dominant from MLS's back from the start of MLS's back through the regular season um comes into this year struggles you know kind of expected him to be one of those building blocks for this team I mean Oscar Prey has always talked so highly about him and he was not only just really subpar throughout the whole year but you know the whole um the the move that was announced in what July I think it was mm-hmm you know, that kind of dampered and it was like, all right, well, now he's on his way out and it just kind of hangs over all these middling performances and now here it is. That's it. Chris Miller's done. He doesn't get the he doesn't get any kind of send off or anything. Like that's that's, that's it. it. Yep. And yeah. and again, we talked about Game this in, in last week's show because I played that clip from Oscar when I talked to him about it. It it was, you know, it, it that's the way things work. And um you know, to- yeah. when you were talking about Nani and, and Chris and everyone's season kind of just going out on a really sour note, it, it kind of reminded me of that um, poem from T.S. Eliot, uh, which I'll kind of adapt here. Uh, this is the way the season ends. This is the way the season ends. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. Yeah, and that's never more been applied than in a situation like this. I mean, that's, I mean, that's sports, though. You know, guys come and go. You know, we all... As much as we, especially us, kind of on on the you know journalistic side, I wouldn't call myself the journalist, but you know you know what I mean. <laughs> as far as like we talk about the team, we write about the team. Mm-hmm. We want the good stories to write about. We want to be able to write like yeah, Chris Mueller. He had the storybook ending. He scores his goal in his final game, gets the send off, you know, all these things. But it does, it doesn't. You know, very rarely that's the exception. You know, it's doesn't work out like that. You know, it is what it is, and. Nope. He is now Hibernian's problem, or not problem, but he is now (laughs) their player. (laughs) Their player, their problem. Yeah, he's he's theirs now. You know, that's that's where his story goes to next. Yep. Uh, Also, some player that is probably not coming back, uh, all but confirmed at this point, Alexandra Pato. Yeah. Took a flyer on him. He he played a couple games this season, <laughs> total of four games, uh, for 106 minutes. He started the first game of the season and then messed up his knee. He actually did play 10 minutes in the playoffs, uh, 
And that could have been a crazy ending if he scores the game winner. Of course, that never ended up happening. But you look at some of the other players that are out of contract that may not come back. Guys like Tesho Akindeli, who, by the way, is also top 10 in goals in Orlando City history. Just like to point that out. Yeah. It could be a very interesting offseason. Um, I'll say that. It's it's definitely going to be. I mean, and, and we haven't even touched on it, too. I mean, this is it. Like, the Wilfs want to make a splash. We know that they, they want to invest in this team. And we also know that Orlando City, I don't think it's tough to say that they haven't really missed on anybody that they that this uh, front office has brought in over the last two years. When you look at the job that they've done um, from a scouting perspective, uh, the players that they've brought in, I mean, they've they've signed a lot of really good players and a lot of players that have made an impact. Now, some of those players didn't have the best years in 2020, but I mean, that was across the board. The team was just kind of down in performance, mm-hmm. but I'm excited. I, you know, I'm optimistic about where things are headed. I'm not naive in thinking that the turnaround is going to happen immediately next year. Um, because, I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves, 2020 was probably um, more of an anomaly in terms of where this team should have been, where we, you know, and where we all expected them to be. But it's going to be an interesting offseason. That's the only thing that we really know at this moment. You know, Things are going to happen, and you know, there, there's looking forward al- to seeing what they are. There is also the fact that Charlotte FC is coming into the league, which means expansion draft again. Yeah, but luckily Orlando's exempt, so. Yep. That is true. Wait, so we have that to not worry about. They're exempt because of last year, right? Yeah, because uh, Kamal Miller got taken by Austin. That's right. That is correct. So at least they don't so have to. So we don't have to worry about that. No. So that's good. Uh, MLS Super Draft. We don't draft. have to make our fake production list. Yeah. Uh, MLS Super Draft, however, that's still happening. That's planned for January 11th of next year. As of right now, Orlando City does not have a top 15 pick because they were actually good this year. Well. You know, I will say that's one thing that we don't mention enough. You know, we talk about the attackers that Orlando's going to lose. They still have Derek Dotson back there. Yeah. Fifth overall, fifth overall pick, right? Yeah. Uh, Dawson last year, you mean? Yeah, he was a top ten, right? He was no, he was a he was top ten. Yes, he was top ten. He was yeah. eighth overall. Top ten didn't see any time with Orlando. Was out on loan. Joined the season late because of. I mean, the he college he season, did score so. five goals for Hartford. Yeah, I so mean something like he got he got some game time and and I did actually see some games that he played in. Solid, solid player. I'd say knowing, knowing obviously Oscars is, you know, plays young guys and likes to work those guys in. I definitely, definitely see him in the mix next year. I'm interesting because he's a very talented player and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do up there. If he's DK's replacement, should Daryl not be here come January, February. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I'm looking at the draft picks from last year. Obviously, you had Rio Hope Gund, who also didn't play a minute for Orlando City. Uh, Brandon Hackenberg, you remember him? Remember he was drafted by Orlando City, 22nd overall? Okay, I believe you. <laughs> he never got signed, so why would you? Oh. Um, 
They also picked <laughs> Andrew Pannenberg, who ended up getting picked up by the Colorado Springs Switchbacks and played two games for them. Is it so, bad that I don't really pay attention to the Super Draft either? Just, I mean, yes. I think the history like, of the the miss rate on these players just kind of makes me not really. You know, like, unless you're a top ten pick, I kind of forget your name unless you're like immediately in the squad. It's kind of wild to think because like you have a, a lot of players that just did not hit this past. Like this past year was kind of interesting because of how the season went out. Um, but I don't think I can name a player from this past draft that made like an an impact to their team this year. Isn't it crazy too that Orlando I mean when we talk about the MLS draft and obviously both of these players were were very high picks but two of the best players in Orlando City history are from the MLS Super Draft and as much as flack as the college game gets. Mhm. For not producing top tier talent, they have. That's where look Orlando at, look gets at some of Kyle, the top tier talent. Look at Kyle Laren right now. Like, I don't understand the hate for him. Still, that's beside the point. Kyle Laren right now has what twenty eight goals for Besiktas since twenty eighteen, and like he's yeah. he he carried Canada in their win versus Mexico. Also, is he still? Hmm. Santiago Patino, he's not. Oh, Santi. With the club, oh man, right? Santiago Patino. God, I think USL is in his absolute wheelhouse. Um, the 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 Patino pick though specifically. I was going to say, how funny, like, we haven't really talked about him in a while. How funny is it, like, they made this whole thing, like, oh, we wanted this guy. We're going to go out. We're going to get him. He's a homegrown player, quote, unquote. You know, we're spending a first-round pick on him. And then two years later, he's not even with the club anymore. Yeah. He he was good. He He was a talented player. He lasted 2019 and 2020, and then... They yeah. decided to let him go. Well, he he went on loan in August last year. Yeah. I mean, you could – listen, we could go back and look at some of the other misses that Orlando City have had in the MLS Superdraft um, or players that maybe just took time to develop that Orlando couldn't give them. And I think that's been the biggest thing with some of the uh, draft picks that Orlando have had that didn't work out in the short term but did for other teams in the long run. Take Richie Larea, for example. He was an it was a player in 2016 that was picked that was highly touted coming out of a very good school and he just he couldn't get it going. And he goes to Toronto, gets a position switch and becomes one of the best right backs in the league. And he was the 7th overall pick by Orlando. Yeah. I mean, think yeah, about like if you go back to that 2016 draft, Jack Harrison obviously worked out cuz he's in England now. Uh Josh Yarrow did not. He's currently in USL. Then you go Keegan Rosenberry, who did work out because he's playing for Colorado, even though you know they lost. Um, Brandon Vincent, he retired, if I'm not mistaken. Omar Holness, he's playing in the National League South for Bath. And Fabian Herbers. 
who plays for Chicago. And then you have here's another fun name to think about that Richie we Larea. all thought might have some promise. Who? Uh, Matthias Ayas. Oh, Matthias Ayas. Yep. But he wasn't <laughs> a draft pick. Uh, but back, no, I'm just. Thinking, I, I I'm know. just looking back at these guys. I who, do. Like, I do want to very quickly stay on that 2016. I want to stay on that 2016 draft because you know who was picked 13th overall, and who's had a hell of a career, just recently. Who? Boy, Haji Berry. Haji Berry, the UCF kid, right? That is correct. Yeah. Do you do you know what he did this past year? God, you really don't pay attention to soccer anymore, do you? I do. There's just so much. It's hard to, especially like these fringe guys who like I really don't have right. to care about anymore. Well, like- <laughs> Haj- Haji Berry, who now plays for the Colorado Springs Switchbacks, set the record for the single season scoring in USL Championship by scoring 25 goals in 32 games. Oh, yeah. I did see that. Won the Golden Boot as well. Good for him. Orlando City still hold his rights if they want to bring him back. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, though, like, I wouldn't mind giving him another shot in MLS. He's 6'2". I think he's found himself a little bit more now. I mean, Orlando did struggle to score goals this year. Yeah. He's a local kid out of UCF. Most of that was on trans creation, but you know, who cares? Yeah, you know. Probably losing DK and maybe Tesho, so Yeah, that that's a bit tricky, isn't it? That's gonna be very hard. Point of the matter is Orlando City has a lot of work to do in the off season. Mm-hmm. And they've got what, two months to do it? <laughs> I will say quick hit, um Muzi yeah. is out of contract this year. Are you confident he gets brought back? Uh, you know, not as confident as I was, say, a month ago. Um, not just because of the Amanda Duffy news, which I'll get to in a second, but mm-hmm. just because it seems like the Wolf family wants to put a stamp on this team, and with the roster already kind of being blown up, they may just take it a step further and just change everything. Yeah, I mean, my fear with that is that getting a new, I mean, essentially a technical director, GM, whatever, you know, he's the soccer head. I mean, getting a new one of that also leads me to believe that they're going to change out the head coach, and I I don't see that as the right move. I mean, I think of Oscar and Luis as, as, a, as a tandem. I mean, they've obviously worked together for a very long time. They, they share the same vision on what Orlando city should be and what they want to build it into. I I mean, I am more confident than I was probably a month ago, just because at that time it was kind of looking like Orlando could find a way to not make the playoffs. Mm. And had they not made the playoffs, I would have been 50, 50 on whether or not Oscar gets kept, mm. but they made the playoffs, you know, circumstances being what they were. They went on the road and lost. I think I think you know that this. If they were going to do it, I think they would have cut the bandaid off and they would have announced it already. Yeah, I, I would say so. It, it, it is just kind of interesting. 
thinking about when what think what about the possibilities the, could be. And uh, again, yeah. this this um this entire situation with the pride, which I'll get into in a second, uh, just makes it a little bit more interesting because obviously the pride of been bad so it makes a little bit more sense but it still raises some eyebrows about like what's the future for that team i will say too one thing that makes me confident is that mark wilf has gone on the record like when he was introduced and, and one of his big things for orlando city is investment in the academy mm-hmm. bringing up those young players and when you look at the people that are in charge of orlando city right now that's their specialty that is where they have made their names in the FC Dallas world as guys who can produce young players who can help build a robust academy. Obviously, they didn't do it themselves. Oscar and Luis were not the architects of it, but they were main cogs in that machine. And if you look, if you're, you don't have to look any further than if you're trying to spend money in this area. Well, I've got two guys who are already experts in this area. So that makes me feel a little bit good that this is going to continue and that that we're not going to see major change in that department, at least this year. But you guys silly? I'm still going to send it. Yeah. It's funny is I've been thinking about that sounds like I just kind of say it to myself sometimes. And I also think about it when I play Forza. (laughs) And I was hoping that Brad would be on this so I could because I knew he was going to play that at some point. I was going to tell him that that's what I think of when I'm playing Forza and like you're you're going for the lead in like the last lap or one of the last corners just and send you just it. dive bomb into yeah you just got to dive bomb and send it straight into the corner and try to <laughs> get ahead of the guy. Yeah, you guys have been talking about Forza for a lot. It's a good game. Good game. I I can't play that. Is it yeah, on uh I Game mean, Pass? Uh yeah. Yeah, it was a day 1 release. Maybe you have to yeah. borrow somebody's Xbox for that. I yeah, I was gonna say I would say though. I mean, I am a bit jealous. I don't get to play Gran Turismo though. So, hmm, because that new one looks pretty good. Should be interesting. I have yeah. not played it yet though. Well, with Orlando City, we can talk about a lot more of them down the line. Um, I do want to get into some pride stuff very quickly, and then finish out with just some other bits and bobs that I wanted to mention. Like I mentioned earlier, the Orlando Pride parting ways with Amanda Duffy as of November 29th. The statement was made by the Pride saying, uh, after acquiring the Orlando Pride during the 2021 season, the Wolf family has been in the process of evaluating the club's structure and operations to best position it moving forward, both on and off the field. Uh, as part of that process, the club has parted ways with Amanda Duffy. The club would like to thank Amanda for her contributions over the last two seasons, which is kind of true, but also there was only one full season. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, like you mentioned before, the Pride have not been good. Um, so restructuring is certainly easy to justify. Um, there was some pretty... I mean, I will say when I first read the statement, I thought it was curious given obviously what is going on in the NWSL right now and the reckoning of abusive players and coaches and, you know, all over the place and just complete And considering all of it ha- kind of happened this. under Amanda Duffy's watch, it's almost like yeah, you just want yeah, to distance yeah, a, yourself a from her. Yeah. 
But, I mean, it, it is worth noting that Steph Yang, uh, Steph Yang, who covers the NWSL for The Athletic, did, she's reported through sources that the statement, given the statement, it had nothing to do with the ongoing, like, uh, Duffy's release had nothing to do with the ongoing investigations. But like you said, I mean, it it could very well be that it is an easy out say, you know, we don't necessarily, you know, we're new to this. We don't want our names tied to anything bad that might have happened while you were in charge of the league before you got here. So we're just going to start now, get it, get everything. We want to make sure that all of our ducks are in a row and we've got nothing to hide here. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, also. Well, they're Jeez. they're without they're now without a coach and a executive vice president. So currently, Ian Fleming is the only front office yeah. guy left over. Uh, they still do have assistant is, coaches uh, Seb Hines and Lloyd Yaxley, as well as. Which Actually, I think that's the only two draft. The expansion draft is what in like two weeks, and as of right now, like. Six teams had vacancies for head coaches in the NWSL. Yeah, um, the, the coaching <laughs> the coaching situation in NWSL is just really really bad. Um, so, I, isn't it crazy too when you think about how many of these coaches are for bad reasons? Like the one who's not because of a bad reason is because he just kind of left on his own. Like he got out of there. He didn't fire. He didn't get fired. He quit. Well, took he, another he, job. He failed upwards. If you're mentioning, if you're talking about Mark Skinner, yeah, 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 yeah. Who did lose to Arsenal? What this past week? Last. I week. mean, yeah, Arsenal is good in women's soccer. They are good in women's soccer. So uh, as of right now, uh, only four teams that featured in the 2021 season have head coaches. That is Houston. Actually, does no Houston? Did he leave? James Clarkson? No, he's he's still there. Uh, yeah, no, it's Houston, Gotham, who now have Scott Parkinson. Though I don't know if he's the permanent person. Uh, Laura Harvey for OL Reign, so. which she's very good, and uh, Portland have just uh, recently hired. Uh, Rian Wilkinson. She's not. Was she hired as? The, is that the GM that they hired? No, that was was, that uh, was Karina LeBlanc. Oh, okay. Yeah, Karina. Karina was actually a former Portland Thorns keeper. Right, right, right. So you know they they brought back a multitude of former players. Um, Car- uh, Wilkinson actually did play in 2015 for Portland played a total of one game for them and is now their head coach five years later or seven years later. I'm going to put you on the spot for another question mm. while we're talking big changes for the pride. Uh-huh. Alex Morgan. Yeah. Angel city or nah, nah, <laughs> you don't think so at this point? No, I think down the line. Yes. Not their first season though. Do you think all of the Pride's major players will return for 2022? Uh, define major. I mean, the main ones is as far as, you know, Alex, Marta, Ashlyn. 
Ash, know. yes. What's her name? Krieger. Krieger. God, man, you Krieger. are just butchering <laughs> names. All the Woso fans are kind of come after you. Yes, it's Allie Krieger. Late. Allie Krieger, yes. Really? Ashton Harris, yes. I think they're in Orlando until they retire, and then they probably join mm-hmm. the team in a front office or coaching role. That is my... Yeah. That is my guesstimate as to what they end up doing because well, Ali's already got the broadcasting gig lined up. Yeah, that is she true. The transition to that as well. That is very true. Uh, Alex, uh, honestly, she could do whatever she wants. Um, mm-hmm. I think she has a good support system here with all of the players around her. Whereas if you go to LA, yes, your family's there, but it's a new everything. Um. When you've got Kristen Press out there. Yeah. Yeah. Some national team teammates. Right. Uh, As far as other players go, Sid, I think, is back because, well, she's signed a contract to be back. I don't think she's planning on going anywhere. Hers was what? Like a new three-year deal? Yeah. She, um, the, the deal she signed was before the 2021 season, she signed a three-year extension. So she's there until at least 2024, I believe. Mm-hmm. Marta, and I don't know, she's 35. She didn't look the same this past year. She's been with the team since 2017. I don't know. Um, I honestly don't know if she comes I mean, back there, or not. There does there there does seem to be some recent speculative off-field news maybe that could have played a role in her past performance and possibly her future decision making um but i mean it it does seem to me like many like that core group is in this i it, it feels like a group that is going to be here until they decide that they don't want to play anymore or that they're moved um outside of their control I will say that if if Marta does stay with Orlando for one more season, it will be the longest tenured club she's ever played for. Which is incredible to think about. Yeah. Actually, it, yeah, no, currently Orlando is the longest tenured club she's ever played for. I think back to like when it was first rumored that she would be joining the club and it was just kind of like one of those, like because you, you know that she has bounced around, she's been through many iterations of these American leagues and she's been all over the place. Mm-hmm. And you think like, I wonder how long, like hmm, that, that's going to be awesome for as long as it lasts. And to kind of look back and think like, she's still here. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the, the current tenure with the pride with, it only is matched by a team she played for in Sweden back in 2004 to 2008. She made 103 appearances for them and scored 111 goals. I'd say, too, it really speaks it speaks to just how much people love Orlando, the advantage that Orlando has. I mean, Nani did that athletic piece a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about how much he loves the city, Like, which was one of the things I didn't mention. is I was shocked that he left because he talked about how much he wanted to live in Orlando and loved it here and was like, they, yeah, they but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like his, if he would go. It wasn't his decision. It was the club's decision. Right, right, right. But you know, when you what the the main part of that quote was like, yeah, would you go play for, um, 
Manchester United again if like Ferdinand was the coach or something and he was like oh yeah like I would do it but then I'd come back to Orlando afterwards and you think about that like Kyle always loved here Antonio Nocherino is still here um is he he's still is part of the academy right no he's he's left the academy he's not with them anymore oh, okay. uh, Giles well, Barnes is still around yeah but I mean you've got these guys and, and especially on the women's side you know they come here and they just love living here in Orlando mm-hmm. and Heck, Eddie Johnson that lives makes here. Wanting to stay. like that's that's yeah. he never played for Orlando, but he's a former. Well, I mean, he's a guy. hometown guy. Yeah, he's a he's a Central Florida guy. Went to my high school. Yeah, but he's specifically in Orlando. Yeah, he does a lot of work with uh with like kids and like personal training and stuff like that. So I can see yeah. it definitely being a a good place to be for that. Right. And he's he's only thirty seven years old, so. It's crazy that he, he, which is crazy how, yeah, it's crazy how his career just kind of ended. Yeah, I mean, he finished was it out because with of these, injury. I don't remember. Oh yeah, it was the heart condition. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he really wanted to play for Orlando City too. I remember talking to him back in, I think it was before it was before the 2014 expansion draft, and he was like, yeah, like I would love to play for Orlando. You know, if they if they were to take me, I think he even said like, I think DC is going to leave me exposed and the hopefully we'll see what happens. And then DC ended up protecting him. And they obviously, he obviously didn't get that chance to be taken by Orlando. Yeah. But he also retired in November of 2015. Yeah. Which could have been a reason maybe yeah. DC either that, or they saw that interview and were like, no, we're not letting that happen. <laughs> Which was my, which was my guess at the time. Yeah, it seemed pretty obvious. He was, he was told that he would not be protected, and then they protected him. Surprise! Yeah. Oh well. Heard, that's the macho man. I heard what you said about me a few days ago. Yeah, and I don't think that you can separate business from friendship. I'm your friend, but if I ever see you in the ring, I can beat you. Don't you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, before we get into the rest of the show, we actually have some breaking news that well, literally just happened. Um, as as we're talking about the Orlando Pride, it just so happens that they might be getting a coach. Um, as we're recording this, Equalizer Soccer and Jess, Jeff Kasouf said that the Pride are hiring former UCF and current UCLA head coach Amanda Cromwell. What? Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. That's a name. It's a big name. That's a name. Yeah. Um, for those who are unaware of Amanda Cromwell, she ha- is a very decorated head coach in the collegiate soccer world. Um, she has played for uh, the U.S. women's national team for a small stint, uh, but her main t- claim to fame, I guess what you could say, is when she started coaching at UCF. Uh, 1999 to 2012, one of the most successful coaches in UCF history, outside of current head coach Tiffany roberts Hadek, who, by the way, played with Cromwell in the U.S. Women's National Team back in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So, uh, basically with UCF, she was there 13 years. She had a record at the end of her tenure there, I believe, of... What was it? 186, 78, and 24, something around that. 
according general according roundabout. to Wikipedia, it is two oh four eighty three and twenty six. No, I'm sorry. That is, yeah, no, two oh four. Two oh four eighty three and twenty six. That mm-hmm. is correct. Yes. And the crazy thing about that is that was back when they were in Conference USA, so they weren't even like in a good. I mean, they were in a okay conference, but it wasn't. She started in the Atlantic kind of Sun, where and they then, at. and then yeah, the right. She, I mean, she turned UCF women's soccer into what it is today. Tiffany Roberts Ahedek has taken it to another level, but there is no UCF women's soccer program without Amanda Cromwell, and she has roots here in Central Florida. Not only yeah. just with UCF for being here for as long as she did, but according to Wikipedia, this is. Wikipedia, so don't quote me on this. Uh, she played for the Orlando Lions women's team in 1997, as well as the Tampa Bay Extreme. So Central Florida, Tampa area, she's very familiar with. Not just because of UCF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is. But of a- course, after UCF in 2012, she went to UCLA, where she has been ever since, and has also turned that program into an absolute powerhouse. And funny enough. The last draft pick that UCF, or not UCF, the last draft pick that Orlando, Orlando Pride had, it's Viviana Villacorta from UCLA. Yeah, this is this How is a big that? hire. Yeah, that's this is. I'll tell you what. You know, this is on the level. I mean, when Becky Burley came over, very successful collegiate coach. She was she had retired. This is Cromwell leaving. I mean, essentially. Not necessarily at the height of her regime, but I mean, she's had a very successful career. I mean, it, she's won a national championship with UCLA. I mean, these uh, UCLA teams, like you mentioned, they've had some of the best teams in the country consistently for the last decade that Cromwell has been there. Um, this is certainly an outside, I mean, outside of the realm of what I thought that maybe the Pride were going to do, because I mean, you you don't see college coaches leave top jobs very often, if ever, to come coach in the NWSL. I mean, no, like I said, no. Burley was kind of the exception, but she was already retired from her gig in Florida to to come coach the Pride for for that short term. Um, I mean, typically the pay in NCAA is better, the stability is better. It's so much easier to build a long, successful career at a college. That's why, I mean, you see college coaches all over the country on, like, football and basketball. College coaches are, are one of those, I mean, college, baseball, most sports, it seems like, those people run up 10 years of a decade or more. Yes, position, however, successful. however, if Amanda Cromwell wants a shot at becoming the next U.S. Women's National Team head coach, she mm-hmm. needs a stepping stone. She can't go straight from college yeah. to a full-on U.S. If that's what she team. wants, yeah, that's a good point. I think that yeah. I think that that's what I've heard from a number of people is that that's what she wants. That is her be-all end-all goal. And that should be everyone's be-all end-all goal for a profession, yeah. like for coaching wise. Yeah, you coach at the highest. Yeah, level I mean, possible. If you, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, not everyone strives for that, but. That is, you know, at least from the outset, a lot of people do strive to say, you know, I'm I'm in this field. Yeah, I would like to be the best there is and get to the top of it. And for women's soccer specifically to be the national team coach, that is certainly, at least as of right now, I think objectively the place. Absolutely. Now, the other thing that I'll say about this hire for the pride's sake, 
hiring a college coach is certainly leaning into the fact that you have a young team and you're bringing in a coach that can more or less relate with them. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, they're these. a lot of these players are a year, two years, three years out of college. And so a college coach that has, you know, been there, done that, and seen all of that, I think could bring a lot of stability towards getting younger players more professional. The other issue is that Amanda Cromwell has never coached professionally, and so there will be a bit of a learning curve probably mm-hmm. within the first year or two. I think depending on who she brings over with her staff, if she keeps certain people with, that are currently on staff, that may be a difference maker just because, as Becky Burley said just a couple months ago, the professional game is very different. There's very little nuanced things that you just have to learn over time. Mm-hmm. And so th- it, it might be another year of kind of mired results, but I think with the hiring of Cromwell, they're saying uh, we believe in long-term growth, not short-term growth. Yeah. And I mean, I'd say, too, a a reason for optimism is, I mean, the obvious here and that being an NCAA coach, you are program building every single day. You know, it's now obviously she did take over a team that was clearly very, very well off when she got to UCLA. I mean, to win the NCAA championship in her very first year, I'd have to imagine a lot of that credit goes to the foundation that was left to her. But she still took over and maintained that very well for um what nine years so she's definitely i mean this is this is a building project it's you know i don't think anyone really expects now the pride can be competitive next year but this is certainly the kind of you know project that you know the club is obviously saying too that we we want to build something that is sustainable that is successful and this certainly seems like a pretty good hire for her. um now an interesting note too uh Cromwell is a founding investor in Angel City, so she's got a little bit of money tied up there. Hmm. Have to imagine that that is going to be something she'll have to. Uh, take yeah, care she will of have to. She will have to concede that she can coach the pride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny that she's coming all the way to Orlando across the entire country. When if she wanted to go professional, Angel City would have been the natural stepping stone. Well, they they have a coach. No, I know, but like. If yeah. she if she expressed her interest early on, then they wouldn't right. have hired who they hired. Yeah, uh, but well, I mean, because they they that's got assuming um, that they, they, that she would have been the number one candidate. Right. Well, Freya Coombe was the one who they hired. Right. She was the um, the manager of uh, Gotham at the time. I mean, to be fair, Amanda, like. If you're Angel City, Amanda Cromwell, who's already a, an owner or has money invested in your club, it seems like a natural choice. But is that also not maybe, just maybe like she, a conflict of interest there? I I don't know. It's <laughs> it, we've seen owners turn coaches before. Doesn't necessarily work out well, but we've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, she wouldn't be on that same level of of ownership, anyway. Right. I mean, I have to imagine like she's she's probably not making a multi-million dollars a year, so her investment can't be too steep. It's this probably just more of like a mine, mon- you know, small 
half yeah, percentage. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's more in name only, I guess, is what you could consider yeah. it. But the biggest thing not is saying, at, not as like a hypothetical, like, hey, I gave a hundred bucks to Orlando City, and now I'm an investor. Not that, you know, kind of something like that, I imagine. Yeah. They've got 700 owners over there. Now, if this comes to fruition, because again, it is just a sources say as of right now, but Equalizer and Jeff Kasuf are usually pretty good at getting those mm-hmm. those facts out there. If they're doing this with Cromwell, do certain players decide they want to go? Some of the older players. Um, could this set up an Alex? I, I mean, mean, we just talked about it a minute ago, but could this now set up an Alex Morgan to Angel City situation? Because if she doesn't want to be a part of a building program necessarily yeah i mean that's fair alex isn't getting any younger um to be somewhere where she can be successful and not it's just crazy for, how the entire dynamic of league. that that conversation we had it, it's crazy how that shifted within five minutes because yeah. we were just talking about how oh yeah alex morgan's probably gonna stay because of her uh, you know all of the people around her and everything but now you know 10 minutes after we talk about that it's like oh well maybe she's gone now wild yeah I can definitely see it. I mean, especially when you think about Alex in, I mean, let's be honest, the national team is certainly her biggest priority. You want to be able, when you're not with the national team, to be in an environment where you're still playing high-level matches. Oh, with, yeah, absolutely. You know, I good, mean, you, Good players around you <laughs> to right. keep your form up. Listen, the Pride have good players around her. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of them are young and inexperienced right now. And some of them are, well, not as good and not as experienced. But it is an off-season where they could make a number of moves, depending on how Cromwell decides to shape out her roster. Mm-hmm. Heck, maybe she tries to go after some of her former players. Maybe Alpi Dahlkamper and Sam Mewis. Mm-hmm. That'd fair, be interesting. Fair definitely uh plenty of possibilities here very much so well we will cross that bridge when it actually comes to fruition for now just a rumor but it just happened as we were recording so thankfully that we were able to actually make a comment on that right yeah uh at least at least this one time the one time that it has ever happened that a podcast has been recording during a news break Mm. Not before a news break. Thank goodness. All right. Which you can expect as soon as this episode drops, Orlando City's uh, roster options and everything will probably <laughs> drop. So, Oh, yeah. Or or they'll just hire somebody new. They'll fire somebody or hire yeah. somebody. It's, it's, it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Like, they might even hire, like, some front office people. and We won't even know about it until yeah. a day later. Who knows? Yep. But then we'll have to address it the next week. Yeah. Such is life. All oh, right. well. Let's yeah. let's finish out with uh, with USL talk here. That works. Yeah, season just wrapped in a fun way. Hey, Tampa Bay Rowdies hosted Orange County Soccer Club. Two former Orlando players, including friend of the show Kevin Alston, uh, playing for Orange County now, as well as Dylan Powers, who uh, joined just right at the beginning of the season uh, after coming from Scotland, and they won. They were three nothing up at halftime against the top team in the league in Tampa. 
Well, in St. Pete specifically. It's <laughs> an important clarification there. Yes. Don't you just They're love called it? Tampa, back, play in St. Pete. It's just like the Rays, years. who own them. Yeah, yeah. Call themselves back Tampa, years, play in St. Pete. Uh, the, the Rowdies make it to the championship, and they don't win. Love to see it. Yeah. Granted, last year's game got canceled, but who cares? I, I just, it's amazing, considering they had home field advantage, and then heading into the game, their keeper, who was keeper of the year in the league, gets injured. And they have to play with the backup, which, by the way, Gavin, since you're a baseball guy, I figured you'd mm-hmm. get a kick out of this. Do you know who the starting goalkeeper for the Tampa Bay Rowdies was in the championship game? The starting goalkeeper in this game was? Is he a former baseball player? No, but he's oh. related to one. Oh. So, well, who is it? it's his name is Ryko Arozarena. Oh. <laughs> do you know who he's related to? Unfortunately, I do, yes. <laughs> Who's he related to, Gavin? I'm gonna I'm gonna do this for the uh, if you know you know crowd and Jeff Passons, uh, uh Rose Arena. Yes, Randy Rose Arena <laughs> of the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, Ryko is Randy's little brother. Wow. Uh, funny enough, both of the Rose Arena brothers, their father was a goalkeeper. I was going to say, I wonder so, how that managed, but obviously we all know how that yeah. worked out. <laughs> well, one of them it's is making a... fun coincidence, yeah. Yeah, what, what Randy is making quite a bit of money in, in Major League Baseball, whereas <laughs> Ryko is playing second division soccer, and that was only his second ever perf- appearance for Tampa Bay, by the way, in that championship game. Yeah, probably doing the guy solid, say, hey, I'll uh, I'll take this hometown discount if you just give my, my little bro a... Spot on the roster down there, a couple blocks down I the mean, street. Also, the Rays own the Rowdies. Yeah, so yeah. So, like, it kind of makes sense. Of course. It's kind of wild, nice but uh, shout out to, to Kevin Alston and, and Dylan Powers for, for getting the win. And, um, hey, uh, another time where a, a team with the initials OCSC beating the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Yeah, I, I'll say, too, I have a little soft spot. Maybe this is just the old-school Orlando City in me for these long-tenured USL teams. I mean, Orange County is a team that was in USL during the same time as Orlando. Um, they were called something different. Yeah, I was going to say, I can't remember off the top of my head what they were called, but I know they went. They underwent that rebrand. The Orange County Blues. The Blues, right. So... It makes me it makes me happy when you think about like how massive USL has grown and like the markets that are now dominating that league to see those teams that were once considered like I mean when USL was small time to now be up there and to be a champion it is very cool. I mean obviously Orange County, California is a very big and wealthy area. But uh, yeah, and and you know you know there is actually a connection between Orange County Soccer Club and Orlando City, right? Not just the name. Refresh my memory. You're not going to know this, um, okay. but uh, the former CEO of Orlando City, Steve Donner, mm. who was also the former CEO of the. Uh, 
uh, the Rochester Raging Rhinos back in the early days of the, you know, uh, soccer up there. He was also the former, he was something in related to the Orlando Titans of the National Lacrosse League. Anyways, he was a lot a, a lot of stuff for Orlando, but he was one of the big people that actually brought the Austin USL franchise to Orlando. Uh, not many people remember him because Phil kind of took the spotlight away, but uh, Steve Donner, a big part of Orlando City history. And um, he ended up going in 2012 to the LA Blues, becoming their vice president of business. <laughs> and um, yeah, things kind of, evolved from there they ended up becoming lafc or they became uh, a usl affiliate of lafc uh when they branded in 20 i think 16 is when they changed their name from uh the la lights lafc's team they are now yeah okay 2016 before the lights existed it was orange county soccer club Back in the early days of the LA Blues, they had a lot of um, Iraqi and Iranian players because their owners were Iraqi and Iranian. So they, uh, yeah, it was super weird because like you have these players that were no names. You would never know who they were, but all of a sudden they're like super good and they probably should be playing other where other places. And it's like, huh, where did this guy come from? <laughs> it reminds me, if you've seen Ted Lasso, it reminds me of that uh owner of the african club at the end of the season two can't say i've seen ted lasso wow gavin you're terrible man jesus yeah, i'm not a bandwagon i'm waiting for the uh, waiting for the hype to die down on that show and then i'll catch up like four seasons then jesus it's only three seasons gavin the next season's the last that's what they say but you know no we'll it's that's it it's done Apple is famously known for dragging out its best products for decades on end, so they will keep it going. <laughs> Man, I don't know about that. Uh, if if it really does end after season three, then I'll suck it up. I'll pay my $5 for a month of Apple TV, and then I'll I'll watch it all. Okay. We'll hold you <laughs> to that then. Audience, whoever's listening, hold Gavin to that. Please. Once I get through season four of AP Bio on Peacock, then I'll be good to go <laughs> whenever that happens. All right. Last thing I wanted to mention about uh, USL, just in relation to the rest of the soccer world. As of right now, Jake Edwards told ESPN, Jake Edwards, by the way, being the uh, president of USL, he said that uh, the league is looking to align with the global game by introducing a traditional fall to summer season in the coming years. This is something that they've talked about off and on for the last, like, five. They've also on and off talked about promotion relegation within USL from League One to Championship uh, and basically operating like a separate entity comparatively to MLS, where, like, MLS is always Division One, but then you just have two, three, and maybe even four down the line existing as their own separate entities that act like the rest of the world's football teams. Yeah, I mean, this comes up every time. You know, people want MLS to do it. And if you can make it work, I mean, you know, go for it. Obviously, the United States is is not a country where playing soccer year-round through the winter is feasible in a lot of places. And, I mean, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. USL doesn't have a massive amount of teams in the northern regions. So, I mean, I guess you can get away with playing them on the road more often. I mean, I'll say just from a Richmond perspective, the last game I saw was in October. And that was right before it started to get cold here. Like, it's been in, like, the 40s every day here. And I don't know that I would necessarily enjoy sitting in 20 degrees to watch a game in mid-December, early January to go out there at, at Kicker Stadium. What? So, what are you saying? Uh, I mean, you know, I'm a diehard kickers till I die. But, you know, sometimes choices got to be made for the betterment of my physical health. Up the ruse, right? Yeah, up the ruse. That's a new thing. They never used to be like kangaroos, but they kind of just became that over well, time. Well, I mean, the 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 kick the kangaroo has always been part of their branding, I think, you know, in some way. But they've definitely gone in with like they've leaned into it stuff. a lot more yeah. recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've they've tried out that new whole identity. I like it, they've had some oh. good merch come out this year. Yeah. They also have some really good players. I called one of their games. Well, I called their last game of the season, actually, uh, the regular mm-hmm. season. Um, that was fun. Their 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 striker is good. Yeah, they were a fun team, especially in the the later half of the year. I I hate to tell you, Gavin, they do play very similar styles to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's gonna be. Fun. <laughs> they're my home. They're my they're my hometown dinks. I gotta like them. I know, but. <laughs> watching them and watching nashville there's a lot of similarities but uh you know you know i am the type of person that doesn't talk negative that's all i'm gonna say about that fair enough and with that i think we can call it a day we we have talked for an hour and that is all we need to talk about for this week We'll review more Orlando City and Orlando Pride, as well as other random stuff that happens throughout the course of the next couple weeks. But as it is the offseason, we'll probably take some time off and come back when the roster cuts drop. Yeah, we've, that is we've worked very hard this year, Austin. We, Austin, we deserve a break. We did a lot of shows, probably like 20 episodes. Yeah, we do take like breaks during the middle of the season anyways, usually. We're... It's like Saturday Night Live. We can't be on every week. It's it's a it's a it's a lot of work to to produce this show. Yeah, we come know, we, for a few. To... We take a couple weeks off, then we're back for for a three week one. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we'll call it a day. For Gavin Eubank, I'm Austin David. Thanks for tuning in to another season of the Orlando Soccer Show. Well, of course, we'll be doing a couple episodes yeah. before the end of the yeah. year, but. With the 2021 season is over, thank you very much for listening throughout the year, and we will see you in 2022. Yep. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. And you're dirty brown water trash, and you're always going to be dirty brown water trash. <laughs>